Welcome to episode 37 of the Gunpointers Podcast. Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell. Adding a little intro music. I don't know. It's probably not copyrighted, but you know, I don't I don't know if we're getting any trouble for that. Just something new that me and Lester wanted to try. Um, because you know, once once football season hits, um, is when we get most of our views. I know it's the off season, but uh, you know, we're still recording, trying to put some baseball news out there and and you know, fall camps just a couple of days away. August 5th is when fall camp starts for Alabama. And um you know, it's, it's five, you're, you're five weeks away. And uh, it's crazy to think how fast the summer goes. You say it every single year, you know, how, how fast the summer goes. Um, it's the best time of year. So uh, Lester, what's been going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, doing good. Um, things are getting hot, of course. Um, the temperature here lately is getting up there and, you know, the hotter it gets, the closer it's getting to fall camp. And, you know, before you know it, August will be rolling around. That's right, man. But, uh, you know, before we get to the fall and football season, let's talk. The MLB trade deadline just passed. Um, some teams making some big moves. I know, you know, a lot of big names got traded more than usual. You know, Chris Chris Bryant, uh, Anthony Rizzo, um, Javier Baez, I mean, Scherzer, Trey Turner. You know, you had a lot of big names sent. Uh, Jose Barrios going to the Blue Jays. It's just a, a big name. Um, but Lester, who who is the biggest winner? Um, I guess you you can say outside the Dodgers. I mean, goodness, I don't know. You know, the Dodgers just have ungodly amounts of money over there. They can pay whoever they want, whatever they want. Um, they've got a whole bunch of prospects somehow, and and they they turn over a massive haul for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. But you know, outside the Dodgers, who once again on paper clear cut favorites to win the World Series, who do you think? finished at the at the top or I guess number two as far as the trade deadline goes and improving their team for a postseason run um well um you gotta say I'm kind of thinking the Chicago White Sox I mean that team was already good already has great pitching led by you know Lance Lynn um, Lucas Giolito but man you got Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks anchoring that back end I mean when it gets to that kind of time, as it gets to the postseason, those numbers, you know, those games are three, two, four, two, you know, one, zero, two, one. I mean, you need guys in the back end lock it down. And by them getting Kimbrell, um, that's pretty huge. They made a couple of the moves too, but you know, getting Kimbrell was a pretty good move postseason considered. Yeah, the the White Sox have been struggling at the plate. So you would have liked to have seen them grab a bat or two as well. Eloy Jimenez can't really get healthy. You hope that he gets back in time to to get enough at bats where he's ready for postseason pitching. But yeah, I mean, you know, bullpen and 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 postseason play wins you games. I mean, these guys go from throwing, you know, one inning every couple of games. They're throwing every single game in the postseason. And they might throw one and a third, one and two thirds. I mean, you know, they're they're so relied upon, you know, starters. It's just rare even nowadays to see a starter work into the sixth inning in, in any postseason game. He's got to be absolutely dealing, you know, uh because, you, and, you know, usually the teams that end up in the World Series are the teams with really good bullpens. I mean, you got to have good starters and you got to have a good lineup, of course, but that bullpen can really make or break you in the postseason. Lester, you know, talking about the AL East, what do you think about the Mets? They're leading the AL East right now. Um, they get Javier Baez and Trevor Williams from the Cubs. Tell me, tell me, is this a good move with Lindor already there? And uh, I actually haven't even watched them. I don't know who's playing second, who's playing short. But um, tell me if you think that's going to be a good fit for Javier Baez and if it's going to help the Mets any in the postseason. 
I mean, I I guess um, Lindor's out right now, so Baez will play shortstop, and he's a really bad shortstop. He's not very good defensively at all. Um, but I guess when Lindor comes back, he'll slide to second base. I guess uh, who is it? Jeff McNeil or somebody? A little short guy. He's playing second or whatever right now. But Baez just is not an impressive player to me. I don't. I don't get the hype around him. He got one good year. He had one good year. He made the cover of MLB The Show. But the guy just isn't impressive. I mean, in the past couple of Cubs games I've watched before the deadline, the guy has botched just routine candy hops. I don't get it. Um, I don't like him. I don't like the Cubs. But bias aside, he's just not a very good um, baseball. He's not. He's not as, as hyped up as he should be. He he's not worth two hundred million dollars, which is what he thinks he should get. I just don't see it. Um, I mean, sure, he'll hit a couple dingers here and there, but he's not a very good, uh, that great of a fit for the Mets, honestly. I know you're tough on Braves, on the Braves front office. Uh, you know, they get Jorge Soler. Um, Adam Duvall makes his way back to Atlanta. Richard Rodriguez, good pickup uh, as far as bullpen goes. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think the Braves are trying to do. Um, at this trade deadline, tell me, do you think that if, if they did if they did it right, if you're if you're satisfied with it? Um, one thing that they are not trying to do, and that is win the World Series. Um, I really don't care what they did this year. Um, 2020 will forever linger in my mind. Uh, the ownership and general manager did more for this bum ass team than they did for the best team in the NL East, or you know, top two or three team in baseball last year so as far as this year's concerned Ronald King Jr.'s hurt Mike Soroka's hurt um Travis Darno's hurt I, I really don't care this team is not good I know the um Alex Anthopoulos today made a comment that the Cardinals in 2000 whatever was where 83 win team won on the World Series dude I don't care this team isn't good I know the pitching has come along really good lately but, you know, I really don't care what they did. What the general manager did was made some moves to field a competitive team so they can continue to sell tickets, continue to try to keep the clubhouse happy, which I'm sure happened, whatever. I'm sure everybody's good. You know, everybody's, you know, hyped up, you know, ready to make a move, ready to make a push or whatever. But, I mean, this team is what it is. You know, they want to continue to make money. That's what this is. This is the ownership. They don't care about winning. They just want to make money. The Braves lead uh, all of baseball in attendance with over 28,000 fans per game. So, you know, I'm sure they kept that in mind. You can't continue to sell tickets if you keep rolling out a bad team. So they made enough teams to keep the money flowing, to keep the team complacent or decent or whatever. And uh, that's pretty much it. I don't even think, you know, the Braves may get in second place. They may overtake the Mets, whoever. But uh, the objective should be to win a World Series, and I don't think that they did enough to do that. Yeah, as, as far as the Red Sox go, they, they did a little bit. I would have liked to see them do a little bit more different positions. They go out and get Kyle Schwarber from the Nats, who's a big power bat. Um, he was just on a complete tear uh, before, before he got hurt. I guess it was a hamstring. I can't really, really remember what hampered him. But uh, he'll be back in the next week or so. They're talking about they might send him back behind the plate, which is where he started his career. Um, they're going to try to get him to play a little bit of first base and also pl platoon in the outfield with 
Hunter Renfro doesn't hit righties very well. His splits against righties are not great. So maybe Schwarber can, can play right field against lefties or against righties. And then Renfro can hit against lefties and Schwarber can find a spot, you know, first base or behind the plate. Cause Christian Vasquez has been a very good defensive catcher, but he just, he can't hit. And it's just a, a big hole in the lineup there at first base and the catcher spot. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad they went out and got Schwarber. They're trying to make J.D. Martinez a, a, all, a all-time DH. They don't really want him playing in the field, or they want him playing as little as possible in the outfield. Um, they go out and get Hansel Robles from the Twins, and uh, I think Austin Davis is his name from the Pirates or whatever. And, uh, you know, two relievers, which I didn't really understand that. Um, I understand Robles because he's been he, he's been good at times. He has been kind of streaky, and he's kind of banged up right now as well. But, um, uh, you know, Red Sox really needed a starter because I'm not really sure what they're trying to do in the front office with Tanner Houck. You know, everybody's seen the thing on Twitter. If you haven't, go look it up. They do a, a righty Chris Sale. They put Chris Sale and switch him over to the right side, and they just look identical with their, their wind-up and their pitch and the arm slot and the movement on the slider. And, uh, and, and, you know, how it comes up and he's thrown two very good, he's had two good starts. He hasn't been able to get into the sixth inning in those starts, but, you know, he's going to think like four and two thirds, maybe like five and a third, hadn't given up more than two or three runs per start. And then all of a sudden they send him back down yet. They're still deploying Martin Perez and Garrett Richards every five days. And I just don't understand what they're really trying to do because, Eddie Rodriguez does not uh, – he Erod does not have it this year. Um, I don't know if it's the heart problem from last year because he, he, he's been actually relatively healthy this year. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of podcasts like Section 10 trying to break down and try to find some stuff where he's like, oh, you've just been unlucky. But no, no dude, there's – you know, you can get unlucky a couple of starts in a row. You don't get unlucky for 15 starts. And uh, and this dude just he's just getting his ass tatted every time he goes, every time he toes the rubber. Garrett Richards is a bum. He's awful. Martin Perez, even Nick Pavetta, I don't think it's a postseason starter. He's not somebody that you feel comfortable with running out there in the third game of a postseason. And uh, you know, Chris Sale's coming back. That's great. He's only going to have about maybe 10, 12 start, maybe 10 starts before we hit the postseason. And uh, so you don't know how, how ramped up he's going to be and what he what kind of pitcher he's going to be coming off of Tommy John. So there's a lot of risk there. And, you know, they're, they're in talks with the, the Max Scherzer sweepstakes and, um, and also Jose Barrios. But uh, the Toronto Blue Jays gave up two of their top four prospects for Barrios. And, and Heinblum, the GM of the, of the Red Sox, just was not going to try to match that. Um, so... I would have liked for the Red Sox to get another starter, a quality starter, not some bum like the Yankees guy, like Andrew Haney. That's just not it. Uh, Yankees add Rizzo and Joey Gallo, who I think are just two power lefty bats, which is what they wanted with that short porch out there. And they've just been criticized all year for having an all righty lineup. They go out and trade for Rudnett Odor and uh, Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. So there's three lefties right there. I think the only lefty before them was like Brett Gardner in the whole lineup. They're all righties. And, uh, you know, when you got a fence that's 315 feet out in right field, you definitely need some lefties to pop it up over the wall over there. So, uh, yeah, as far as the Red Sox go, I'm not just sitting here bummed out. 
Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think that the Red Sox end the season atop the AL East. I, I think they finish second to the Rays, but still ahead of the Blue Jays just because, I mean, the Jays right now are eight and a half back. The Yankees are nine and a half back. Um, and uh, so I think it's I think it's the Red Sox Rays um, fighting for that number one spot right now. I think the Rays are a little bit better, even though Tyler Glasnow has lost for the year um, because he's going to have Tommy John surgery as well. I just don't think the Red Sox start rotation without Tanner Hawkins there. Just when you've got Erod Perez and Garrett Richards as three, it's sixty percent of your starters. You're just not going to get a lot of wins that way. You're relying on your bullpen way too much. Um, but so yeah, you know, trade deadline wrap up. Um, it's going to be a fun second half of the season. You know, LA has already created another super team out there. So no, if if they lose, you know, that's a failed season for them. You would think. Um, you know, San Diego tried to get Scherzer. Uh, that would that would have that would have made it interesting, I believe. But I think the Giants and Padres, I just don't think they're going to be able to hang on um, when you add Scherzer to that rotation. It doesn't look like Trevor Bauer is going to come back this year, so you kind of swap them out. But um, I think it's the Dodgers and then everybody else. But we'll just see how the the second half of the season plays out. Lester. I, I sent I sent I sent this to the Gump Runners text uh, earlier and I want to get your opinion on it. And I, and I told you we were going to talk about it because to me, it's a big deal, but I want to get your opinion on what you think is going on because nobody's talking about it. And what I mean is Alabama hosted their champions cookout this weekend, right? So they've, they've got, I think it's like maybe 15, 16 players. Uh, they're all the commits that we have for 2022 and um, and then, you know, a bunch of studs, man. Five, I mean, five stars, four stars, top 100 players, you know, all the studs are there. And they're hanging out. They're, they're hanging out with the coaches. Meanwhile, I did not know this until Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, I guess around five. I can't remember exactly when it was, but my dad sent it to me. And it was on these message boards talking about how this is the last weekend to recruit before the dead period and, and host um, recruits on campus. And over at Auburn, these guys are holding a skeet shooting competition. They're not even on campus. They didn't host any recruits this weekend, and their coaches are not even on campus. So, Lester, to me, this is a big deal. I mean, this is showing you – I mean – just let, let, let me get your opinion on it first, and then I'll rebut with what with what I with more detail what I think is going on here. Just tell me what you think about the situation as a whole. Is it a big deal to you, or it's like, eh, you know, we'll give them a little bit of extra rest mentally before the grind of the season starts. You know what? How do you how do you feel about this? Um, you know, people wondered if Harson how he was going to adjust to the SEC. Well, boy, you went skeet shooting. We going skeet shooting this weekend. Gonna knock them plays out the air, boy. Go have a good old time going skeet shooting. I think he's adjusting to Southern life and SEC culture just 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 fine. But think about being think about Brian Harson. You were the eighth, ninth, tenth pick to go to Auburn, but which is great. This is great. You're out of the 
Boise State, you're, you're stepped up to the to the big boy leagues of the SEC. You know, you got a lot of pressure on you. You know, your former – the guy who you followed up, you know, beat Saban, you know, went to the national championship. Auburn football is your business, and you're the CEO now. And the last weekend to host recruits for the last-ranked team in the SEC, and you go clay shooting? What? you can go clay shooting on some random morning or afternoon in the middle of the week. Why would you not spend this opportunity to show off the loveliest village on the plains? I don't get it. You're trying to make an impression, right? You're trying to, surely you're trying to bust your tail and, and recruit the best guys and, you know, maybe game plan for the season. But, no, you, you go skeet shooting with a bunch of dudes all weekend. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense if you're if you're a CEO, if you're a business owner, a new one at that, at this new place. You should be trying to bust your tail, especially when the results are saying that you are last or at the bottom of your competition. Why are you playing? Why are you seeking to go enjoy yourself? You should bust your tail and and work right. That's what I would think. You know, if, if Saban took a week off, I mean, a weekend off or what, you know what? We, we probably trust him with those key sheets, right? You know, yeah, Saban, you bust your tail all summer. You know what? You know, recruiting class shaped up pretty great. You know, fall camp's about to start. You know, nothing but good news is coming out of the Bama camp. You know, enjoy yourself. But Harson, what has this guy done? Absolutely nothing. He's playing when he should be working. When you're – a coach at this level, you can't afford to rest. And part of me understands, you know, you're about to experience the mental and physical grind of an SEC football season, you know, plus fall camp. So I would understand how you would like to have your players mentally rested and your coaching staff mentally rested. But at the same time, recruiting is the the lifeline of your program. You, recruiting never stops. I mean, it doesn't matter. At 24-7, seven days a week, recruiting never stops, especially with the kids nowadays. you got to be in constant contact with them. And any chance that you have to get them on your campus, Lester, how long did we just go where recruits weren't allowed to be on campuses? We went a we, – wow, all throughout the COVID Over shutdown – over a year, and, and Auburn, they were com- they were complaining. That's well, rec- rec- recruiting is bad because we can't give anybody on campus. We can't get anybody on campus. That's all. Well, now you can. Yeah. Well, now you can, and you want to go skeet shooting. Bingo. What is it? That's a nail. You hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, you know, you can't recruit Auburn through a, on a computer screen. What else do we hear? You know, you you can't smell the crisp air, and you can't see the beautiful leaves, and and you know, feel the wind blowing through your hair, walking on the campus of the beautiful buildings and the beautiful trees, and can't get that can't get that lemonade. You can't feel the family atmosphere on on a, on a Zoom call. You know, that's all we heard about, and then now all of a sudden. You're just taking a weekend off the last weekend, the last weekend. And I understand you had big cat weekend last week, who, by the way, that was the worst um, visit list that I've ever seen for a big cat weekend ever. And I don't know if this guy is trying to recruit boy. I don't know if he doesn't realize that he's not at Boise state anymore because he's getting, he's 
he's getting the same types of recruits on campus. These low-ranked four-stars that are in between 250 and 450, and then the rest three stars, that's just – that's not going to cut it in the SEC West. I don't give a damn how good of a developer you think you are. You know, talent's going to show up eventually. You might sneak up and beat somebody like Texas A&M that you're not supposed to. But, I mean, like you're, you're not going to go beat Alabama and Georgia – uh, or LSU, you know, with, with a bunch of three stars. I mean, yeah, Gus recruited some three stars, but I mean, he, he was putting together consistent top 12 recruiting classes. Granted, those were fifth or sixth in the SEC, but there ain't 63rd right now, dude. 63rd in the country. Harson's coming in, you know, a guy from Idaho. He has no ties to the SEC, no ties to the South. He was at Arkansas State for like one year. And instead of trying to bust his ass on building these relationships with high school coaches, with high school kids in this area, he's just going to take a weekend off the last weekend before the dead period where you can't contact recruits and have them on campus until the season starts, which is five weeks. You're just going to, you're just going to just chill. And, And like I said, I understand the mental aspect of it because the SEC is a grind, but dude, Coaching doesn't stop. Recruiting doesn't stop ever. You cannot afford to take a weekend off. One weekend can change a lot. You know, these kids, they might be seeing that, and they're very soft, and they're very sensitive nowadays. Me and you both know that. I know it very well. So one weekend changes a lot. You could have hosted 10, 15 recruits this weekend and helped your program. And it's just I I really don't know, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer in Auburn. I'm gonna call it like I see it. And if, if Nick Saban was to do this, I mean, the world was set on fire. Well, we, we hey, th- think about this. Think about this. Think about this. So you know, Auburn, they get on there. You know, they post their skeet shooting uh, trophies or whatever, and everything's on social media now. What do you think that? What is this? Is twenty twenty one? What do you think of that twenty twenty three kid or that twenty twenty four in state guy is looking at? Dang, Alabama's turning it. Auburn skeet shoot what? And they and they and they wonder why they can't get in state kids because your coaches are out skeet shooting while Alabama is posting all these fun videos, turning up, having a great a cookout, in invitation only. What do you, what what would you want to be a part of, Chase? Would you want your coach taking a weekend off recruiting skeet shoot, or would you want to try to you know get into that cookout invite? You tell me. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just the fact that you know maybe if if you couldn't have gotten to Big Cat last week, and because I mean these kids have stuff pop up all the time. They'll go on vacation with their families, or you know do whatever, whatever it is. Maybe they had already planned to visit somewhere else, and they had this weekend open. But hey, man, I'd like to go to Auburn. Coach, can you have me on campus? No, nah, man, we're not going to be there. We're uh, doing a little coach's retreat. Uh, okay. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we're doing a coach's we'll retreat. Nick, yeah, we'll do, we'll, we're doing a coach's retreat this weekend. And, oh, yeah, that's right. The dead period starts. So, yeah, I won't be able to see you or talk to you for, like, what, another month and a half or so? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pick it up in, you know, we'll pick it up in a month or two, you know. But, yeah, yeah, sorry. We, you know, skit sheet. Sorry, so. It's amazing, dude. And and like I said, I'm just I'm calling it like I see it. And this is this is not good. But I Lester, I want to know why this was so quiet today. I, I did not hear about any of this because actually the skeet shoot took place Friday, I believe. 
Um, and so while I, I did not hear about this, and you know, usually that Alabama cult Twitter, when they get their hands on something like this, they take it and run with it. I didn't hear anything about this. Dad had to text me at like five o'clock on Saturday and, and let me know. I was like, is that true? Are we sure about that? And sure enough, you know, we did a little digging and we found on Twitter where they, I mean, they had a trophy made up, didn't they? Didn't I send you the tweet where they had like a, a trophy? They had a legit a trophy 2021 Auburn football staff champion. That's what it says. And you got five guys with shotguns over their shoulder and one in the middle holding the trophy. I mean, they put, you know, time, they you put know, time into this. Damn your mental health. Damn your, your sleep, your, 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 your family, or you know, you'll see them sometimes, but the goal is to win, establish yourself in SEC as a new regime. Get to Atlanta, get to the playoff, win that championship. You can sleep, you can read, you can do all this stuff when that gets done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now is not the time. And, the, and you know what? The biggest thing out of all of this, you get a weekend to do something, and you choose ski shooting. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. You go to the beach right. or something. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. All right, fellas, we're gonna we're not gonna do anything. We're gonna have a vacation weekend. What are we going to do? And they chose skeet shooting? That's the crappiest part of the whole thing. If you're going to do this, if you're going to take out time to not try to impress some recruits to come to your campus, at least do something worthwhile. Like, what recruit is looking like? Okay, okay, I see. That's kind of cool. Skeet shooting is kind of cool. Nobody. Go skydiving or something <laughs> exciting. Top I don't off. know, but, 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 yeah, top. Like, but what looks cool to a recruit? And it ain't skeet shooting, bro. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I should have planned it. I would have done it. I, I, just, mean, I don't understand. I mean, the guy that tweeted this has 14.6 thousand followers and he doesn't have one reply. This is from what's today? The 31st. Today is the, 31st. On the 31st. So this tweet was sent six o'clock yet on, on Friday. Six o'clock on Friday. And there hasn't been one reply, only three, only three retweets. So are Auburn fans just this embarrassed about it? Or is it just, like I said, are we the only ones making a big deal about this? And that's because, you know, we went to the university, we followed Nick Saban and, and we know how, how much of a dog he is in recruiting. We know how important it is to him. Therefore it's become important to us. I mean, I'm sending you guys nuggets almost daily you know what I'm saying we're, we're getting information all the time and then maybe this is I, I don't I don't know maybe we're blowing this out of proportion um because obviously it hadn't spread on Twitter and you know there's nothing on Auburn undercover the body getter or anything they're not talking about it so either they're just so ashamed and embarrassed by it but you know usually there's these realistic fans that get on there and, and bash everything but uh there's there's not even that so Maybe we're just overblowing it. What if they're just as shocked as we are? You know? Like, Maybe. Maybe. Well, for, well, first, you're shocked. Then second, you're embarrassed. Like, this did not really happen. You know what I mean? Maybe they don't want it to get out. I, I, I personally wouldn't. But, you know, it's, 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 it's just weird. When you sent it, I didn't believe it. Like, 
Yeah. No. It's just it's just that reaction that I had. I had to ask Dad. I was like, "Is that is that true, or is that just because he sent it to me from a Bama message board?" And I was like, "Is that true, or is that just some bammer making fun of the Alves like they usually do?" But no, we we found the tweet. It's it's legit, and nobody's talking about it. So maybe they sent a big deal to most people or everybody, but us. But all I, all I know, Lester, put yourself in their shoes. If you're a fan. If all, all right, say Auburn had won whatever it is, six natties in the last 12, 13 years, whatever it is, and they're on the most historic dominant run in college football history. You just fired your coach who's beaten them the last two times at home. They haven't beaten you at home since 2015. And they're coming to you again this year. You fire that guy. You hire some no-name dude from Boise State. Uh, who's from Idaho, no SEC ties. He hires a couple of scrubs like Derek Mason, who's terrible. Um, he hasn't coached defense since he was at Stanford. Um, he's been coaching crap players at Vandy. Um, uh, who, oh, who's the uh, offensive line coach? Crap. I forgot his name. The dude that's from Georgia, that's, that's pretty good. But, uh, you know, Mike Bobo, offensive coordinator, dinosaur offense, got fired from Georgia because of it. You know, didn't work at South Carolina. He's not going to be great. There's just not a lot of stuff looking up. You're sick. You rank 63rd in recruiting, man. I would understand this if Harson had gotten a little hot and rattled off about 10 four stars in the last three months. And then, yeah, I would understand this a lot more. But you're ranked 63rd in recruiting. You're so far behind the eight ball. You cannot afford. And so imagine if, if this is you're an Alabama fan and this is the situation that you're in and Auburn is hosting a champions cookout this weekend. They've got 2023 five stars, 2022 five stars, multiple, multiple four stars. I think it's like 11 or 12 four stars, three or four three stars that are committed that are probably going to end up being four stars. And you have to get on Twitter and you find out that your coaches are on a retreat on Friday, shooting skeets and handing out trophies. What is your reaction as a fan? I mean, what? imagine – all right, first of all, th- think about it from this fan perspective. All right, you get rid of Gus. Maybe you're happy about it. Maybe you're not happy about it. And then they hire Harson. You know, who the heck is this guy? Yeah, okay. Now, okay, now you may be buying the Harson with it. Okay, you know, maybe this guy ain't be so, can't be so bad. Maybe he's not so bad. And this happens. And this happens. I would, I would be living if I'm if I'm an Auburn fan. How can you expect to win? Like I said, with the Bama stuff and the cookout, opposing teams see that, opposing fans see that, and then you get on Twitter. What are your guys? They're ski- I would be livid. Every Auburn talk show should have the phones ringing off the hook, ready to crucify Brian Harson and this staff tomorrow or tomorrow Sunday. But all next week, all fine bomb, all the shows nationwide. I don't get it. I am perplexed. They really took the last recruiting weekend off to skate shoot. You didn't. T- you didn't go to the beach and get hammered with the boys. You didn't go elk hunting, or you didn't go to Italy or do something. You didn't go jet skiing all weekend. You went skate shooting. Posted. A trophy. <laughs> if I if I'm Bama, if if I'm every Bama coach, you know what I do? 
if I'm every day, I'm a coach, I get on my Twitter account, find a picture of that 2020 of the last national championship trophy and just post, post just that. Post just that. Just the trophy from the Natty and the SC championship and, you know, everything else. If I'm a Bama coach, I'm going to be petty. I know that's not Saban's thing, but I would have done that. Just post it. Just a picture of the Natty trophy and see how that went. That, I, I can't believe that. Who cares about your mental health? You're getting paid millions of dollars. <laughs> if you're yeah. a staffer, you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. To, to, to You're not tired. This is your job. I, I, I still just cannot believe. Oh, well, yeah. You still there, Lester? Oh, yeah. Oh, you cut oh, out. Yeah. Man, my bad. Um, if, hey, if this podcast cuts off, I'm still going to post it because it's too damn good not to, even if it cuts off on us. But yes. uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into our last segment here just in case because my computer's a little shaky. You never know what it's going to do with my Wi-Fi here. But, um, you know, Lester, I, you know, we're, we're a couple of days away from camp. Who is your prediction for the breakout player on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball this year for the Tide? Okay, I don't – I guess – okay, offensive breakout guy, Jaleel Billingsley. Now, he – I know he kind of made a name for himself last year. Last year is probably kind of a – you know, maybe a coming out party. But this year, this is putting my foot down and stomping on everybody and showing everybody how dominant I can be. So – from the tight end spot, Jaleel Billingsley, really athletic, fast, can do it all, tight end. Um, really looking for, you know, Bryce linking up with him over the middle. You know, those steam routes going right past those linebackers, right over those safeties. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely my offensive guy. And for defense, I'm going to go with Kool-Aid McKinstry. I don't know why. I love to do – I think he's cool. I think he's going to be all over the field, you know, carrying over that momentum from a great A-day. Now, I'm sure he's had a great summer. Um, I I think well, I, I don't know if he'll be a, a breakout player per se, but that guy's gonna be getting PT. He's gonna be all over the field and he's gonna be making plays. So where do you think he plays? Do you think it's a situation to where he's good enough now to play that other corner opposite of Josh Job and leave Malachi Moore in the star spot? Because my, uh, I my mean, breakout why not? on defense, yeah. I'm going to tell you this. See, mine was, mine was Brian Branch because I figured that Malachi would slide to the corner and then Branch would take over as that star position where Malachi had so much success last year. Um, and I thought that Brian Branch would really break out this year in the secondary. Right. Well, could Kool-Aid slide down, play close to the line of scrimmage? Probably not. I mean, sure. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think, you know, I think, hey, he may have an impact on special teams also, you okay. know? Big time. He, yeah. You know? I wouldn't, yeah, I would not be surprised, you know, in the spring game, he's returning punts and kicks. Um, right, you know, right. You, everybody knows how we feel about Slade Bolden. And yes. I got yes. I got a bad, I got a bad feeling he's going to be with the one returning punts, but I'm not going to be happy about it. He's got a short leash with me, but uh Anyway, uh, yeah, I would not, I would not mind seeing Kool Aid back there returning punts and kicks at all. Yeah, yeah, the kid's got the swagger. He's got, I mean, clearly he's a ball hawk. Dude is, I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just a dude. He's just good at what he does. You know, once he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric. You know, clearly great ball skills with what two picks and the, 
in eight in the uh, eight eight swing scrimmage. So you know, he could be all over the place. Who knows? Yeah, you know, fall camp's a big time for that, and it's so important for those young guys to get the spring. And I'm glad he was able to enroll early and get there. But, you know, it's funny that you say Jaleel Billings is going to be your breakout guy on offense because I actually had the other tight end, Cameron Latu, on my list. Um, had a big spring game, big spring scrimmage. Um, Bill O'Brien would not be surprised if you see some two tight end sets in passing situations just to get matchup problems, to get more linebackers. Bring it on. Get more linebackers Please. on the field. And it's, it's, I think you have two tight ends that are matchup nightmares. Now, Latu is more of a traditional tight end. You know, he's not – I mean, he's probably 6'5", 245, 250. I mean, he, he's thicker than Billingsley is. See, Billingsley to me is like Kyle Pitts. He's got Kyle Pitts written all over him. They can You can use him wherever you want to. If you want to throw a fade route to him, throw it up to him, he's going to go get it. He's got a hella wingspan. He's six foot five. He's got great length. And, um, and he's athletic enough to elevate over a smaller corner. You know, you want to put him down the seam, he'll catch the ball over the middle. He'll, he'll do whatever you need him to do. And would not be surprised if, you know, you got Mechie, Jameson Williams going to play a big part in the passing game. Uh, Slade Bolden, I guess, you know, your little possession receiver, if you want to throw a little slant route. Um, he's definitely not going to run by anybody or away from anybody. Um, but I think Latu can, can play a big wild card, and I think he has a lot of big playability because they're just simply going to forget about him. And, uh, you know, it's, I think he could, he could play a big part in this offense this year. I can dig it, man. Both of us going with the tight ends. Okay. I like it. I like it. I, ho- I hope we do see a lot of two tight end sets, you know. You've got so and, many and Those options. guys aren't bums, huh? No. No, you've got so many options on offense because you have so many new faces. I mean, you know, the obvious right. choice is Bryce Young for the breakout player, sure. You know, B-Rob, Jace McClellan, Kamar Wheaton uh, from Oklahoma, the true freshman, um, running back. You know, Jameson Williams coming in. A lot. Some people can, slay, can say Slade Bolden, uh, Billingsley, Latu. You know, you just got so many guys that are unproven. And so you can have five or six breakout players in this offense, and you got a pretty good chance of being right. But, you know, I guess I, I say Latu just because, you know, a lot of people forget about him. A lot of people don't remember him and don't know him because, you know, he started out his college career as an outside linebacker. And uh, and he's he's made his way to tight end. He's, a, he's an upperclassman. And I think he could he could provide some big play opportunities for Alabama down the field. I like it, man. I like it. Um, I, this defense is raw, raw, and nobody. I feel like nobody knows it. Nobody's really talking about it. Everybody's talking about, you know, Bryce and this NIL, NLI, whatever it is. Uh, but it's coming. That defense is going to be nasty, and I'm I'm looking forward. I'm excited to see it. Best defense in the country. You've got the four best linebackers in the country. You got the best secondary in the country. Will Anderson. Interior defensive line is the biggest question mark, and it's not that big of a question mark. You got so many guys. You got Byron Young and Phi Mathis or Phil Mathis. Um, You've got Tim Smith right there, who was a big player last year. You just got so – you still got DJ Dale. There's just so many guys that that can rotate in that. And, you know, you're not stuck with one or two of them. You can rotate five or six in there, keep everybody fresh – Get them a lot of snaps, play four quarters. It's just a, your, you know, it's just your typical Nick Saban, Nick Saban defense, Nick Saban roster. 
I mean, a lot of people are doubting the offense or doubting Bryce Young. Go ahead. I mean, how many years in a row have we done this? How many times last year? I mean, we were one of them. You know, we didn't like – I didn't like Mac Jones. I, I, did, I did not like him preseason last year. The Iron Bowl just stuck in my head 24-7. And, you know, as good of a game he had, that game he lost the game for us. I mean, you can't really argue that. He threw two pick sixes. He gave Auburn 14 points. Their quarterback threw for 150 yards and beat us. But anyway, you know, he, he played good against Michigan, but I just didn't – I guess I didn't trust him. And honestly, it took me to like three or four games in where I was like, okay, Matt's got it. He, he you know, you, you can trust Mac a little bit. So, I mean, everybody's going to doubt Alabama whenever they lose a lot, just like they do every year. Then Alabama's just going to show up and beat their ass. Yeah, man. And and so I, I have a question for you about the defense. Um would you say that this is a two-deep defense? And when was the last time that we had a two-deep? A what? A two-deep defense. Like, there's no drop-off between the first team and the second team. No, very little. Um, and that's because, I mean, okay. you know, the safety spot, you've got a lot of cover guys. You know, you got Kool-Aid, you got Brian Branch, Malachi, Josh Shobe. But then, you know, safeties, you got Battle and Helms are going to start. You got Daniel Wright, who got some playing time last year. Um, he also made a lot of bad plays. Then you got like Christian story, you know what I'm saying? You're getting into some younger guys that we're still not very sure about. Um, so some younger guys need to develop at safety and then, you know, younger guys, a backup linebacker too. uh, Jalen Moody, uh, Demui Kennedy, Chris Braswell, uh, you know, there's just a lot of guys at linebacker, um, that you just don't know anything about, but I mean, I'm not down the talent. I'll tell you that. And uh, so, no, it, it, it there. I don't think there's a position, one position where if a guy goes down on defense, Alabama's got a hole. Let me say that. Now, three guys go down. You know, you get a safety, uh, an outside linebacker. You know, if if Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, and Malachi go down, then you know that might be some holes, right? But I don't think you can lose just one guy on the uh, on the defense or offense for that matter except for quarterback I, I don't I don't trust Paul Tyson um, right right but, uh, so other than quarterback I don't think there's one position on defense where if you lose a guy you're like oh what the hell are we going to do now that's you know that's a mismatch um so yeah I, I think you're right about that good deal that's the answer I was looking for I mean what'd you expect just prepare well, just prepare. What do you expect? I mean, well, I mean, it's I mean, the best. It's the best that's ever that's ever done it, and, and he's going to be the best to ever do it in this era where they've got a they've got a free transfer policy now, dude. Like it's a miracle. You got five stars that are not that are redshirting. That's a miracle nowadays to keep those guys on your roster for two or three years and then not play. And it's just he's not just evaluating talent when they're in high school. He's able to talk to these kids and he's able to tell their character and, and, and judge their mindset and how they are. I mean, yeah, granted, Alabama has more guys transfer than anybody else because they recruit so many studs. But think about the studs that don't play for two years and all of a sudden show up as juniors and just show out. I mean, it's just it happens so much. And to keep these guys on the roster – because they're just pampered their whole high school career. They're pampered. Hey, man, can I get you anything? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? You know, they're going all these recruiting visits. Hey, man, you know, they're just they're, – they're royalty. That's what they are on these recruiting trips. You know, hey, man, you come here, blah, blah, blah. You got 
you know, you can start all this stuff and then come to Alabama, all of a sudden, you know, Saban's yelling at you on national TV during the spring game, Kool-Aid don't walk in the GD field. You know, he's might tell everybody that was watching that game heard that. And, you know, it's a whole different ball game. And these kids, most of them stay around because they understand they buy in and to be able to get 18, 19 year old kids to buy in is just truly amazing in this day and age with the, the sensitivity that these kids have now, the all about me attitude. I got to get mine. I got to get it now. Mama need a new house with that attitude they have now. The, what he's able to do is just it's unmatched and it'll never be matched again. That's it's just he's setting a precedent that'll never be touched. It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to be a part of. And I hope it lasts uh, another 10 years. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Another foot. I mean, hell, Saban's in better shape than most people I know. Yeah, than me. At at his age at what, 69? No. He'll be, he'll yeah, be 70 on Halloween. Halloween. I mean, that guy, he ain't slowing down. He ain't slowing down. My, I mean, my grandfather just turned 84 yesterday, and uh, that dude goes to the gym 6 o'clock every day. He's in better He's in better health than I am. Um, so maybe maybe Nick said, I think, I think he watched his dad just shrivel up and die and just, like, vow to not be that way. I think it just scares the piss out of him, just uh, of that happening to him. You know what I'm saying? Or just not being a part of a team. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what he says. Yeah, that's what he says. But I'm talking about deeper than what he says. I think that might right. have something to do with it. Yeah. Right. But, all right, Lester, anything you want to add, man? We're out of here, short and sweet. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we get this in because these Lester rants are just great. That skeet shooting segment is, is gold. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that's it for me. Um, I guess what? Maybe next time we'll get on to uh, Texas, Oklahoma. Um, yeah, that's two two weeks in a row. Damn. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, what do, what do you think about that? Let's do it now. I mean, we we we've got time. We didn't go long tonight. So, what what do you think about this? They unanimous unanimously voted them in, um, which I didn't expect, honestly. But uh, I, I know it's a money thing. Just tell me how you think this is going to play out. Do you? you You've seen those pod deals where they're talking about splitting the league up into four different pods, and you play, like, everybody in your pod every year, home and away, Bob, or whatever, and uh, then I, I don't know how they're going to mix because I'm just not paying attention to it. I'm just going to let it happen because yeah, they're still yeah. not in the league for at least another two years. I don't think they make it to 2025. I think they'll be in there by 2023. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, how, how do you think this is going to go with those two coming in here? And do you think – do you think they pose a huge threat to Alabama's dynasty? Uh, I, so reading the tea leaves of everything that's going on since this was kind of announced, uh, this kind of a deal has been in the works for at least a couple of years now, um, probably more seriously over the past, you know, maybe year or two. But I don't think they're initially a threat to the dynasty. I mean – it, honestly, if, if, if I'm the SEC, of course, football, football is your moneymaker. Obviously, that's, you know, that's what this is all about. But I'm thinking about other sports, you know, baseball, basketball, for sure. I mean, I don't know. It's, it helps SEC, SEC out. I mean, think about it. Every school is going to get an extra 
at least $20 million just for being in the stinking SEC. At, at minimum, they're talking $20, 30000000 million extra dollars. Think about what an athletic department can do to that. You know, all this stuff about, you know, NIL and, you know, these the smaller sports are going to have to get kicked out. They're going to have to get canceled. No, no, they're yeah. not. Because in the SEC, you're going to get an extra 20 30 $40 million. An extra, an extra. I can't emphasize that enough. These people, man, this, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so is this is yeah. this the end of the uh, the charter bus rides for Auburn football? Ooh, ooh, help! I hope it's twenty million, million dollars to help those guys. Out. <laughs> Don't blow it, Auburn! Don't you blow it on some fancy record players? What she told Deeds and Mister Deeds when you tell her that he won forty billion dollars. Forty billion, yeah. yeah. We'll spend it all on some fancy record player. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think with the 12-team playoff, that also helps. And I, I do think with them coming in, you know, they have they have good young coaches, and that can pose a threat because that makes Alabama's next hire after Nick Saban so crucial. I mean, you got to keep this train rolling, right? And I don't think anybody's going to expect to win Natty's year in and year out like they do now as far as Alabama fans go. But – now you've got Sark, who's in his late 40s. Uh, Lincoln Riley, seems like he's still in his teens. Uh, that dude just doesn't age. And, uh, you know, he's, he's in his 30s, early 40s, I can't remember. Um, these guys are going to be at those schools. You know, you got Kirby over at Georgia, who hasn't touched 50 yet, I don't believe. So you've got guys that can be there another 15, 20 years, perhaps. And, um, and Sark hasn't proven anything yet. I think he's got a he's got a really good staff. Hell, he's got Alabama staff from last year over there. So Kyle Flood, um, Jeff Banks, I think they'll they'll do a good job recruiting the state over there. Um, and so I don't I don't want to say I don't see how Sark can fail because he was also the coach at USC and screwed that up royally. Um, but you know, he, he's got a good foundation. He's in a good, he's in a good spot. Uh, he's got plenty of support, you know, money's not an issue, all that jazz, but uh, yeah, Lincoln Riley is, is set there at Oklahoma. And then unless he goes to the NFL, he's not going to go to another college team. So I think that them coming over, even with the 12 team playoff, I think that just makes Alabama's next hire that much more important for Greg Byrne. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know what would be funny if maybe if Sark got his act together and Saban retires and Sark became the head coach of Bama. It's not going to happen, but that would just be funny. Like, you get Lane, your SEC. What about Lane Kiffin? Or Kiffin? Or Kiffin? But if Kiffin rattles off a couple of 10-win seats, dude, you win nine games at Ole Miss. That is Ole weird. Miss. What if you beat Bama one or two years? What, what Come Hugh on. Freeze did, Come and on. I, know, I know he cheated his brains off. His brain's out. Right. But what Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss was simply astonishing. And if, if Kiffin could even keep them at eight and four consistently, then, you know, win nine or ten every couple of years, that's impressive, man. Right. And so right. that might Because be you fun. still got a coach. You, I mean, you can get the players, but you still got the coach. You still got to, you know, have your act somewhat together. So that's <laughs> – yeah, that's pretty yeah, impressive. I, I don't think he'd ever uh, – I don't think he'd ever survive just because I mean, you can't be tweeting all the time and, and ruffling feathers and you're the Alabama coach. It's, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. Get seen at, uh, in the street. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was somebody like Billy Napier. Um, he turned down a lot of big jobs this year. And uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. But anything else you want to add on the Texas and Oklahoma thing? That's it. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see. And uh, this is the official beginning of Super Conference. Yep, that is 100% true. The Big 12 will disperse in the next two years. They'll join the Big 10, Pat 12. So it looks like they're just going to be four, right? Don't you think? Or you think there ends up being just three? Uh, four conferences of 16. So that'll be 64, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think they just create a playoff system where only the super conferences can enter? And then guys like, you know, Boise State, UCF, they're just, it's just whatever. You think, yeah. they play, you think they play a different playoff or a different trophy? Okay, so that question could be better answered thinking about the NCAA tournament. The NCAA hosts the tournament. It is not anything that's like, like they're just a host. If these super conferences up and decide to have their own tournament, there's nothing the NCAA can do about it. You know what I mean? And 64 teams, that's your one through 64 seating already there. You know what I mean? So in, in, in the sense of basketball, um, yeah, 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 you're right. I mean, it's, they can just do whatever they want, really. You know, the NCAA is just they're, – they're not an illegitimate governing body, but they don't have as much power as they yeah. were thought to or used to or, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it'll be interesting. Um, there will be no NCAA basketball tournament in, in a couple of years. It'll be the, you know, big 16 super conference, tur- whatever they want to call it. But, yeah. Yeah. This is the beginning of the end with, of sports as we know it. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Everybody hold on to your damn seats. Buckle your damn seatbelt. This is going to be a ride. And there's going to be a lot of backlash because I think they're going to have to put some limitations on all this stuff as far as NIL goes. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting, let's say, five years. Because you know how fast stuff moves. Everybody's like, oh, in 10 years, what does college football look like? It's like, dude, I, you ain't got to worry about that. I mean, five years, you're going to have a new playoff system. You're going to have a super conference. You might have two super conferences. Um, I think probably the Big Ten and the ACC probably be a little bit more stubborn. but. We'll just we'll see how it plays out, but I don't think it's going to take as long as everybody thinks. But uh, all right, Lester, appreciate you hopping on here, man. Um, episode thirty-seven, Gump Runners Podcast. We're out of here.